Amen. That is, that is who you are, Lord. Promise, promise maker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Zach, thank you for being back to lead us in worship this morning along with this wonderful band. Josh and you all, you guys, thank you. Thank you very, very much. This is, this is a, a wonderful day because this is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice, and we will be glad in it. Amen. Amen. This is also a memorial weekend, and we honor the memory of the great heroes of our country who have laid down their lives so that we may enjoy freedom in this nation and in this land. And may we be much in prayer, church, both here and scattered all over, wherever you're listening from this morning, praying that the Lord will, will preserve what is right about the United States of America. And it's, it's not all bad, and it's not all gone, and it's not all done for. But we need a great awakening in this country. We need a great return to the God of our fathers and the things that God has blessed over these last couple of hundred years to make this country the brightest spot, the brightest light for the gospel in many ways throughout the world. That's what our reason is. That's why we're here is that the light of Jesus might be published abroad throughout the entire world. So amen. We're grateful, so grateful, so grateful for those who have laid down their lives in order that we may still be a nation and still may worship freely. Amen. <laughs> worship freely today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open your Bible first to the Gospel of John and I want you to find, if you would please, John chapter 20, and we'll look at a couple of verses, mainly one verse, chapter 20, verse 19, as we go some other places this morning. Now here's the theme, we're coming back to it again, because there just seems to have been such a resonating in the hearts of many of you that this is important, this truth is important, the freedom that can come from rightly applying this truth is very important. Here, here's, it's in the form of a question. Who is that talking to you? Who is that talking to you? Jesus would say, my sheep, do what church? Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We noticed last week that there are some other voices that can speak to us. We can be hearing other things in our minds and in our thoughts. The enemy, not wanting the church of Jesus Christ to really hear clearly the voice of Jesus giving direction and giving encouragement and reassuring them of their place in the heart of God and their, their place in the plan of God, wants to try to dilute the voices, confuse the voices, so he'll work in friendship with that old part of us. Paul would speak of it as the flesh or the old man, the old woman, the part of us that, that will never love Jesus, will never want to honor the Bible, will never want to be forgiving and loving and kind. That fallen part of you and me that's still in us. That's why Paul would say the spirit of the Lord Jesus alive in us, and the new man, the new woman inside us, is in conflict with the old person. There's a part of you 
that's tied to your old life, the before Jesus part of you that's still alive in us, right? That's why we get pulled in directions just like we used to get pulled in those old directions. But there's a new man, there's a new woman in the person of Christ alive in us that causes the old man not to win all the time, the old woman not to win all the time, and it's the Spirit of Jesus inside us. But the enemy will try to tease that old man, will try to throw scraps, throw bones, throw, throw feed to the old man, the old person, so we can get those kind of voices talking to us. The, the culture around us, Ephesians 2 would say, it's the prince of the power of the air, Satan, who is at work in the sons and daughters of disobedience, the course of this world set by Satan himself. So we, the, the culture can say things to us, can try to convince us of certain things that are just diametrically opposed to what is the truth of God. Then Paul would also say, as he was writing to a young man named Timothy, basically, Timothy, you've got to understand who's talking to you. As you serve the Lord Jesus, you got to understand there are going to be some other voices, and you got to know who it is who's talking to you. And he said, now get this. Write this down, Timothy. Know this is a truth. God has not given us a spirit of fear, intimidation, shyness, hesitation. Guard your steps. Be careful all the time about what you're doing and what may be coming at you. God isn't talking to us with things that will intimidate us. That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the spirit of fear. But the Lord, by His Spirit, He has given us a spirit of power. Somebody say amen. He's given us a spirit of power, strength, ability, capability. He's given us a spirit of power and of love, knowing that we are loved knowing that we haven't been rejected, knowing that we, we aren't just the booby prize that God ended up with the human race when he got us, when he got me. But he loved me. He chose me because he wanted me. He adopted me into his family, chosen, forgiven, wanted. God has given us the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Can it is somebody, could somebody just say, Lord, I need some of that? A sound mind. A sound mind. That, that means something solid that you can walk on. It's not shifting sand. My mind isn't just being freaked out, blown away, tossed around by the winds of the culture around me and all that the enemy would try to do to keep me stirred up and negative and hopeless. The Lord has given us. When God is saying, when, when there is a voice that comes to your heart saying, hold steady, don't move, God's got it, that's the Lord talking with a sound mind, and he's giving us those words that reassure us of our, of our place in his heart, reassuring us that his power will not be usurped by any Thing. All things are under the feet of Jesus. His name is the name that is above every other name. His power, his power. But on the other hand, the devil, the enemy of your soul, second most powerful being in the entire universe, can muster a spirit or spirits of fear and intimidation. 
to just try to shut us down. So, so, so let's make that a little more personal. And don't raise your hand if this is you, okay? Don't stand up in the pew and say, yep, that's me. But if you woke up this morning anxious, if you woke up this morning worried, you woke up this morning with something that is just confusion, confusion. And folks, it's not that, it's not that it, when that's happening to us, we're the only person that happens to. We all can be vulnerable. How about anger, a situation, a person, a memory, and anger? It can just help so much, folks, if we understand who's talking to us. If we understand that's not God, but this is God. Now, if you had a friend or you had an acquaintance, let's not even call him a friend, you had an acquaintance at work, <laughs> and about every time you were with them at lunch or on a break or walking in the building together, you knew that sooner or later in the conversation, they were going to try to try to waylay you with at least one big old fat lie. They, they, they're liars. They can tell a lie just like it's the truth. And the problem is sometimes they can believe it and present it, and you know it's a lie. If every time that person's face showed up, you had the option of taking that call or walking outside your office and meeting that person or not taking the call and looking away from the door when they walked by, what would you choose? We would choose truth we, we, because we knew that coming from that person, all we're going to get is just another dose of lies. That is Satan. That is the devil. He can tell a lie and make it sound like the truth. But somewhere down inside us, there's a recognition, no, no, no. We may not have gotten that no and realize that, that, that that's the enemy and not the Lord because for a long time because we, we just accepted that, that that's how it is. That's how it is. I'm just a negative person. You know. I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a pessimistic person or I'm just an anxious kind of person. That's just the way I am. No, it's not. It is if you let the voices like that persuade you that that is the truth and that is who you are, here is God's voice to you. Hear it, folks. Let this in. This is God's voice to you. Now may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan will try to cloud our thinking, push us back in a corner with anxiety and fear and, and confusion and, and anger at certain situations and things. That's how he works. God doesn't work that way. He will speak to your heart even in the face of impossibilities. Even in the face of difficult things, even in the face of things that could result in great fear, his voice to our hearts is joy and peace 
in believing so that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, that verse was written in the book of Romans, and it was written to the church at a time when the church was not what was not well taken care of, well cared for, appreciated by the culture around them. Difficult times were increasing. Nero was, was ascending to his place of authority, and he would butcher Christians just for the fun of it. He was the, he was the emperor, the Roman emperor. There, there, were, there were things that were coming that would be very difficult. And, and, and so it wasn't just Pollyanna or, or stick your head in the sand and, and, and ignore what's going on. Here's the, here's the amazing thing. It's in the face of it. It's in the face of intimidation and intimidators that don't change, that keep firing their salvos of discouragement and anxiety at us in the face of those things. By the power of the Holy Spirit alive in you, joy springs forth and peace settles in by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to... I, I just, I just want to say that again, and, and I can't seem to get off of it, at least through this week. It will help you if you will realize who it is who's talking to you and realize that it may very well, may not just be your own thoughts. Your thoughts may be helped along by some outside force that has been upon not your best but your worst. Now, in order to get a, just, just a real grip on the hope of God with, with this subject, I, I want you to find that, that spot in John chapter 20, and, and I want us to look at verse 19 just quickly, and then we're going to go somewhere else. But, but look, look at this. This is after Jesus has been crucified, buried, and raised from the grave. This is Easter. This is, a, this is an event on the first Easter. And he's going to meet with his men. He's going to show up where they are, unannounced, surprise them. But look at their state of affairs. Look at where they were, how they were thinking and feeling. Verse 19, when therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. Do you see those words? And when the doors were shut, where the disciples were. Why? For fear of the Jews. Folks, the Lord has always had a rough group of humans to work his will with. Can I get a witness to that? He, he hadn't always had the smartest, the strongest, the brightest, the most naturally charismatic. He's had some folks, and this early group were of this number. They were prone to human emotions, great and paralyzing human emotions. Though, though our hearts go out to them, 
that they had seen the most humble man they had ever known, the purest heart they had ever been around, power to help and to heal flowing out through him. They had seen that man put to a cruel death by the ones who were still in authority there in Jerusalem and throughout that nation. They had witnessed the brutal murder of Jesus of Nazareth. They were known as associates of Jesus of Nazareth by the authorities. And as a result of what was done to Jesus, it was a natural connection for them. They came after him. They're going to come after us. Unless we protect ourselves some way, hide ourselves some way. It, it, it says it was, out of, it was out of the fear for the Jewish authorities that they had the doors locked and they were in hiding. That reality working in them what was not enough to keep Jesus from coming and being with them. He knew what he had to deal with. He knew what was working inside them. And so when you turn a page or two over to the book of Acts, don't, don't dress this up. Don't, don't make these people something that they were not. They were believers in Jesus. They knew he had died on the cross for their sins. They knew what his blood was all about. It was for payment of sins. They, they knew where he was buried. They knew he was dead, not just swooning for a few hours, but he was dead for parts of three days. And then now we find him in Acts chapter 1. He's alive in full color, in full body form, with his mouth moving, sounds coming out of his mouth, his gestures, his presence, his life, his physical being right there. He, he, they knew that he died on the cross for their sin. The reason I'm going through all of that is that's what Paul says the gospel is. Three parts. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised again on the third day. These who are listening to Jesus now for these 40 days that he's doing, spending this time with them, confirming and reconfirming and reconfirming that he's alive. Satan couldn't hold him. He paid the price for sin. He's the victor of over sin, death, and the grave. He's there with them for 40 days. But it's amazing that even though he was with them, they were hearing him. They believed in him. If they were to die right then, they would have gone straight to glory because Paul would say, this is the gospel on which we stand. This is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised again on the third day. But we find Jesus saying to them, you don't have all you need yet. Unless somebody checks out on me, all I want you to do is just check what we're trying to say with the Scripture, with the Scripture. The, 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 the thing that, that can be, 
that needs to be asked to Christians today is not are you going to heaven when you die, but are you living in the power of the resurrected Christ right now? The power of Jesus to defeat the intimidation. The power of Jesus to stand against anxiety and negativism and pessimism and all those things that we can fall into because of the lies of the enemy. Where we can be just absolutely helpless every day waking up and just blanketed by the things that have shut us down before. Or has there come to be a realization, number one, that's not Jesus talking to me. And number two, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ to resist, stand against, and live past all of those lives. The question is power. The question is not information. The question is impartation. Has there been on the basis of what Jesus has done in the gospel, in the power of the, of the cross and the, the empty grave and he's alive, have we come to know experientially within our hearts the life-giving flow of the resurrected Jesus by his spirit. It's power. It's power. I don't need to know where you were baptized. I don't even know where you walked down the aisle. Those are important things. But if you can't say no, when you need to say no, where's the power? If you can't say yes and keep saying yes to the things that are right in God's sight, and I'm not fussing at you. I'm, I got three fingers pointing back at me. If we can't keep saying yes to the things we know we need to say yes to, where's the power? I didn't ask you how many verses you know on what's right and what's wrong and how we ought to live. Power. 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 And here's what I want you to see. Jesus, for those 40 days, spent his time pouring into them wonderful kingdom information. When Peter got up and preached on the day of Pentecost, he got his, he got his text, he got his, his information from somewhere. When he said, this is the prophecy of Joel being fulfilled, where I will in those days pour out my spirit upon all flesh, young men, older men, young women, no old women in the Bible, I don't, I don't think that was even referenced there. But he got that from somewhere. Jesus gave him, this is what that is. What is about to happen, this is what Joel talked about. And then he explained that, there would be a, that he would leave them, and he would go up to the presence of the Father, and he would be re-enthroned with all the authority that he gave up when he left heaven to become a baby in the manger, the fruit of Mary's womb. He, he, he left the command of the angel armies. He left the authority of heaven. And he became a man, took upon the form of a servant, that Philippians 2 passage, so powerful. And because of the level of his humiliation, the Father has placed upon him the name that's above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of that, all of that, folks must have been spoken during those 40 days of Jesus holding the Bible conference in Jerusalem with the ones that he's about to impart the future enterprise, future redemptive emperor enterprise of the human race to. 
He told them everything they needed to, they needed to know. But he said, don't you leave yet. Don't you go out and try to change the world yet. Because he looked into their faces and he saw the impact of intimidation on them. He knew that the high priest and all their cousins and uncles and dogs and cats were still in place. And that they could roar and bellow their intimidations and threats just as they had at Jesus. It would be coming to his people now. They needed something more than information. They needed the impartation of his power. Do you have that power? Are you walking, are we walking in the power of the resurrected Christ? You say, that's only for certain people. It was never intended to be that way. I'm going to show you. Now, just go with me. We're going to hopscotch through these first four chapters of Acts. We find Jesus speaking to them. Verse 4, Acts 1, verse 4. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. It wasn't the cross. The promise, because that's already happened. It wasn't the cross. It wasn't the virgin birth. It wasn't the resurrection. Because he's standing there on the post side of death, burial, and resurrection. You wait for what the Father had promised. In other words, there's still something we're waiting for. There's still something we're waiting for. And it would be the endowment of power. Some of you, if you're ever going to hear anything else that I say, you're going to have to check your theology and check it against the Scripture. A theology that robs the believer of laying hold of your birthright in Christ is a theology that says we can't ever hope for anything, we can't ever expect anything like what the early church had because all of that was accomplished back then and one, the one, one time you receive Jesus as Savior, that's all you're ever going to really get. You get it all then. You get access to everything, yes, grant you that. But why in the name of heaven is the church in America walking in so little power? Why are the divorce rates no different between us and the outside world? On and on and on. The issue is not information. The issue is transformation. It's not just information. It is impartation. He gave them the information, the necessary information. But he said, you wait. You wait for what the Father has promised which he said, you heard of from me, verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, how, how do you justify that, that treatment? That all, it, it's believed that he died, was buried, raised again, 
And that just means that everything that's talked about in Acts, we automatically already have. Because Why did Jesus, after he had said and demonstrated the truths of his coming and the meaning of his death, and they embraced that? They embraced it. The ones who are, they embraced it. But why did he say, wait, because there's something more. Because there's something further. I'm looking into your disheartened faces. I'm looking into your anxious faces. And I'm telling you, the information isn't going to be enough to set you free from the things that are paralyzing you and keeping you in your homes. But I'll tell you what will set you free. It's when my presence is poured out and saturates every molecule of your spiritual being. And my spirit baptizes you. My spirit drenches you. My spirit comes to take over and control and lead you from the inside out, not an external set of rules. But I'll blow up your heart with my presence. Now, I got ahead of myself. Verse 6, and so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel. They were thinking physical terms. We're familiar with that. But look down at verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses as a result of that power coming upon you. You realize how that, that was the last thing on their to-do list is to be known as a public associate of Jesus. He's saying in the face of their intimidation, the effect of the intimidation in their hearts, what I'm talking about in the impartation of power will so transform you that you will open your mouths and declare your lives as a witness of Jesus of Nazareth. It was the last thing on their list of possibilities. Even the lead Men among them were barricading themselves behind doors. Folks, if, you, if there's something that's pushing you back, if there's somebody that's pushing you back, if there's some fear, if there's some memory, if there's some, some opportunity, something that pushes you back, keeps pushing you back, find yourself in this passage. Find yourself in Acts chapter 1. And then hear the word of the Lord saying to your heart, but you shall receive power, power, ability, encouragement, strength, abilities. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. The word for witness is a judicial term. It means somebody. <laughs> it means somebody who knows something. It means somebody who's seen something. It means somebody who has personal knowledge of a fact or a setting. You will be witnesses of me because you will have seen some things. You have seen some things. You have heard some things. And you will be declaring what you have seen and heard. You will be my witnesses 
And then he, he lists both in Jerusalem and Judea. I, I, I don't know how clear, how, how graphic this can be made. That Jesus is giving them the assignment in the very city that they saw him butchered. The faces hadn't changed. There was no turnover in the high priestly structure or in the Roman governance. The same faces. And he's looking into their intimidated faces. Even though they had heard him for 40 days, they had heard the information, but Jesus knew information alone was not enough for them. There needed to be the impartation of power that they didn't have. We have so many Bibles. We have so many translations of Scripture. We have so many apps and helps, and you can Google all kinds of stuff to cross-reference everything under the sun in the Bible. We've got more information floating around. It's, 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 it's incredible. Good in many ways. My brother, my sister, information, even good biblical information, was never intended to be a substitute for the empowering of you with the Spirit of Jesus. Oh, I know, I know, I know, no, no. Do you have a no that sticks? Do you have a yes that sticks? The power, the power. He knew that unless their hearts were set free from intimidation, unless there was a power greater working in them than the forces coming at them from the outside, they would never even get to first base in the expansion of the church. So that's what he said. But you shall receive power. Now, folks, when I read that, and I've spent lots of the years of my life in, 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 in academic theological study, I've, I've lots of stuff, lots of years. And, and I, I, can, I can go with you down the various points of interpretation. But for me, it just settles in. Where's the power? Where's the power? Where's the, here's the truth. But when the truth is made powerful by the work of the Spirit, then you got something. Other than that, we're just a relic on a bookshelf. And the lost world keeps going to a pitiful eternity away from Jesus. And, our, and the church can just keep patting itself on the back for all of our efforts and all of our good intentions and throwing money at things instead of that burden working in our hearts for somebody close and near, bound up, lost, needing help. And my heart is drawn toward them, and I'm knowing that unless Jesus touches their hearts, they'll never be changed. So, Lord, as you touch my heart, I'm asking you to do that work in them by your Spirit, by the power of your Spirit, there will be conviction of sin. Well, on the day of Pentecost, that happened, the outpouring of the Spirit. But, but here's the deal. Some folks will say, well, that's just a one, one point in time, one point in time, never supposed to happen again. Oh, my goodness. For the church to be the church, every generation of the church, 
needs a fresh outpouring of the spirit of the resurrected Christ in order for the church in that generation to be worth its name and salt. So here we pray, Lord, pour out your spirit. It doesn't have to be all at once, everybody. When the Lord finds one thirsty heart, and that heart cries out, Lord, I see this, and I'm asking you for this. I believe that every word is true. But I know that unless you empower me with your spirit, I, I won't be able to face the intimidation. I won't know how to respond to the things that are coming. This is in your book because you knew I would need something when I face difficult times. I'm asking you for it. I'm asking you for it. So who, who is the Holy Spirit? You should be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power. Once you have been baptized by the Spirit, I, I want you to hold your place in Acts 1. With the other hand, turn over to Acts 16. Acts chapter 16. I just want to show you a clue. Luke was a Gentile, more than likely. He wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts, the human author. Because he didn't have all of the Jewish background, I think there were a number of places where he would feel like he'd need to put it in Gentile language, you know, outsiders looking in. Jesus came to the Jews, but he came as the Savior of the world. Now, notice how he explains something, how he offers his explanation as to who the Holy Spirit is. This is Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Somebody's going to need to know that this is in your Bible, so I hope you're paying attention. And they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak, to speak the word in Asia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak. This is one of Paul's missionary journeys, okay? The Holy Spirit forbade them to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Now, why would Luke put those two terms so close together? I believe it's because he wanted to give us a clue as to who we're to understand the Holy Spirit is. The invisible presence of Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus spoke and said, don't go. Holy Spirit, in the earlier verse, Spirit of Jesus in the next verse. Okay, so go back, to, go back to Acts, the book of Acts, and find chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 32. Peter's preaching. He doesn't have a note in his hand. He's not reading from the scroll of Joel as he quoted Joel, as he quoted Psalm, I believe it was Psalm 16, he was a fisherman, you know, nothing wrong with fishermen, but he wasn't schooled in the schools of the rabbis. But some way or another, some way or another, as a result of Jesus' teaching for those 40 days and explaining the connections between him and Old Testament passages and the fulfillment of all things in his time, things that would be fulfilled in his earthly ministry and then. And then when, 
the Spirit was poured out on Peter. Peter was able to say some things with confidence, with clarity, with boldness, in a way that he'd never been able to say things before. This is what he says in verse 32. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Now look at this. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Look at verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent, and least you may be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call unto himself. What's the promise? The promise is the outpouring of the Spirit. The promise is the empowering of ordinary people who have their faith and trust in Jesus in the power of the Spirit. But what kind of Jesus, what spirit of Jesus is this? He makes it very clear. He says it's not the human Jesus. It's not the one that we heard and that we saw and walked this earth and did miracles and, and, and was amazing in his love and his purity. It's not that Jesus who has poured out his spirit. It is the Jesus who has been exalted to the right hand of the Father. He's been given again the command of the angel armies. He's been given all the authority and all the power that he ever had. He's got all that he had when he stepped out on nothing and said, let there be, and the lights turned on in the universe. For it was Jesus who was the agent of creation, John chapter 1. It was that Jesus exalted, that Jesus reclothed, reinvested with all of his authority and power. It is that Jesus who poured out his spirit into the quivering, intimidated church on the day of Pentecost. So that even when they knew they didn't have authority, they didn't have any willpower, they didn't have any ability on their own, they were somehow aware that there was somebody else standing up on the inside of them, and it was the resurrected, exalted Jesus. Has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened? Has that ever happened? Folks, it, 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 it bears asking the question. We won't live in the first century, but we live in this century. You poke us and Scripture comes out. You poke us in another place and a praise song comes out. But we can't say no to that. We can't say yes to this that pleases the Lord. What's the difference? What's the difference? Why does intimidation have its power? Why does hopelessness have its power? Why does negativism have its power? Such that we can't even enjoy the moment because we're scared to death of what's going to happen tomorrow. It's not God talking to us. And what does Jesus say? You shall be baptized with power when my spirit is poured out upon you. Now, here's, here's where I want to, we've been on that for two years or, or more or less. The point is not how much Bible do you know. 
The devil knows the scriptures, the scripture says, and he trembles. Satan can quote more scripture, more theology than any of us could ever do. What we need is not just what we need, but that which is your birthright. That which is something that God, a gift that God wants to give you, is that sense of knowing Jesus in the power of his resurrection. I don't believe at all that this is supposed to be just for one particular believer. One particular, and, and, and again, you look at the book of Acts, and it's not that everybody who were filled with the Spirit spoke in tongues. So just get rid of that. Fine, you can't track that. Some did. Languages they'd never spoken demonstrating the power of the Lord to bless with abilities that, that they had never had. But as we've said in Acts chapter 9, when Saul of Tarsus came to know Jesus, Ananias went and laid hands on him so that he'd be filled with the Spirit, and there is no mention that Saul, who became Paul, ever spoke in a tongue in that setting. But he was filled with the Spirit. Now, don't let these theological things rob you of <laughs> of asking the question and staying with it until you get a sense that the Lord's heard you. Lord, I need your power. I need you to fill me with your spirit like you did these folks. And I refuse to accept the enemy's lie that that was for then, and I've got to expect something different now. No! I renounce that lie, what God did back then. God wants to do today. What he's done for them, he wants to do for you and in you. It'll be different. If it, there's not one size fits all in the sense of one experience fits all. But what will happen is the, the, the same places where there's an intimidation as you would try to stand up for the things that are right, you know are good and true, the same things that happen in them, that ability for God to do that in you so that you know who Jesus is, the real Jesus really is, it's settled in your heart who you are. They can say all day long, you're a loser, you're a waste, you're a failure, you're good for nothing, and you'll know in your knower, that's a lie, and I reject it no matter who says it, because the Lord picked me. Jesus chose me. The Father set in motion a plan that I'd be forgiven and a plan that I'd be adopted in his family, and he doesn't adopt junk, Satan. He adopts what he sees as treasure, and I receive, I receive what the voice of the Lord is saying to me about who Jesus is and about who I am. Now, here's an important thing. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul will say, don't give place to the devil. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath and thereby give a place to the devil. He's writing to Christians. He's saying that a believer, somebody going to heaven, somebody who knows Jesus, has the ability to give Satan a place in your heart. He can't take it, force his way in, but you can give, can give it to him by agreeing with him. So in this matter of being filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit of Jesus, we've got to take an inventory of the places where we've believed the enemy's lies that have resulted in us making some choices and deciding that we can do certain things. That we, because that person hurt us and, and, and did evil against us, then, then we've just then we've been offended by them. Then, then we're justified in our, in our resentment and our held peace of unforgiveness toward them. 
Satan knows the Bible. Satan is the perfect legalist. He knows, Jesus has said, unless you forgive your brother whom you have seen, unless you forgive one who has sinned against you, release them. Your Father who is in heaven won't forgive you. Ultimately, in time, he brings us to the place where we see that. But, we, but, but there can be a spot in our hearts that we've just handed the keys to the devil because we've agreed with him and against God. Powerful truth. Powerful truth. Where you've agreed with the enemy, where you've bought his lies that has resulted in the choices that have been made, you go back to that very spot, that very place, and confess the sin of agreeing with Satan against God. Confess the sin of doing that, saying that, being that, living that, feeling that. Confess it as sin. Receive the cleansing blood of Jesus. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But the caveat there is if we confess, if we call it what God calls it. And we receive the forgiveness by faith, and then we renounce. At that point, we renounce where we had been in agreement with the enemy. And at that point, then we, we resist the devil. He doesn't have any ground to stand on anymore if the blood of Jesus has pulled it right out from under his feet. But if we've never confessed it, if, if we've never taken it back from the enemy, if we've never taken the keys that we gave to the devil back so we can hand those keys to our heart to the Lord, then there can be some loss here, some gap here in this matter of praying to be filled with the Spirit. He will fill what's empty. He will fill what belongs to Him. Let that be your heart. Amen? Let that be your heart. Now, there's one, one final thing that I want to say to you. Paul will say in Corinthians, now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there. who's that talking to me? Who's that talking to me? Is the result captivity? Is the result shackles and bondage? Or is it freedom? Now, Zach, he's going to be up here in a minute. He started doing something when he was finishing up one of those songs. Is he still around here? Okay. Come here, Zach. I'm talking about you. You're right there? Okay. I'm talking about freedom. I'm talking about freedom. He doesn't know anything about what I'm fixing to say. And I didn't see it until he started doing it. There's some of us who have been so bound up in religious protocol that we don't have a clue about what freedom in worship and freedom in our expression of love for Jesus really about. He got to the end of what was written on the note sheet, note page, whatever those things are called that these musicians work from. And there's kind of a gap in between. And stuff started coming up out of him. He was preaching musically. He was prophesying musically. 
the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I suppose someone gets so disgusted. We've had over years, why do those people wave their hands like that? Why do those people go back there to the back and sometimes they just got to dance? So why don't they have those children sit down because they're just celebrating? I, I want to I look at the, at the knuckle-headed, narrow-minded, religious person who's talking to me and say, you don't have a clue, do you? You don't, heaven, heaven is going to be a burden for you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. A lot of times I'll say when somebody's celebrating, they're worshiping in the way that is authentic to them. That's not to say that you can't worship with your hands in your pockets and you're sitting in the pew and, and singing every note. I'm not saying that that can't happen. I'm just saying it is possible that when the Lord, by His Spirit, sets someone free, He moves their feet, He moves their arms, He moves their hands. And I, I will just say, where some get criticized, some of y'all remember shouting Henry, Puerto Rican, run over by an armored personnel carrier, should have died 60 times, and somewhere he's alive, and he's here. He would, he would amen the, the announcement. He, he would shout when there were other. <laughs> Sometimes he'd scare me to death. He'd, he'd come out with a hallelujah, right? And I'm not even thinking there's anything. You know, but if you knew Henry and you knew what Jesus had done in his life, if you knew some others and you knew what Jesus had done in their lives, and the Spirit of the Lord set them free, sometimes you can just have too much church in you. You have too much cultural religious stuff and we just miss out I had I had my seminary professors taught us how to alliterate analyze explain and man I just got bored with my own preaching and if I'm getting bored well, what's that happened to y'all so I I heard a man say one time, David, you'll, you'll be free. You'll be freer as you preach if you'll preach without notes. You get some talking points. You get a little something you need to help remember with. But, but you let the Lord by his spirit turn you loose every Sunday. You know what? It's really the truth. It wouldn't matter to me if it wasn't anybody here except, except Izzy running a sound back there. And the rest of you slept in. There is such a joy in my heart about the truths of God's Word and then knowing that He's going to give me something that I hadn't thought of yet. And that's why we do the two services. We don't just tape one and, and make one size fit all. We, we, we do both services live because I feel like there are some folks in the second service that are different than folks in the first service. And some of you in the second service may need something that they don't necessarily need and vice versa. And I love the freedom. I love the freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. What's that going to look like in your life? I don't know. But it's not going to be in a slave to anxiety and being a slave to pessimism and being a slave to negativism and being a slave to anger. It's something better. It's something different. It's all Jesus. Who is the Holy Spirit? 
He is the Spirit of Jesus. Which Jesus? The crucified, beaten down, black and blue Jesus? No. The resurrected, triumphant Christ alive in you. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Amen. Lord, fill me. Spend your day praying those three words. Lord, fill me. Show me my sin. Show me where I've been in agreement with the enemy. I want to confess that, renounce that, plead the blood of Jesus to take that ground out from under the enemy, and I resist the devil in the name of Jesus. Fill me, Lord. Take the place by your spirit that Satan has had in my heart by those intimidation and those fears. Possess that part. I give those keys to you, Lord. That's what we're talking about. Lord, thank you for the time today. Thank you for another Sunday, Lord, secured for us by the faithful service and sacrifice of so many who have gone before us in this nation. Thank you, Lord, for our heroes. And Lord, today we pray that whatever you're trying to say to us, the level of freedom that you're wanting to bring to us, the level of the sense of your presence in each one of us, standing up in us, that we may know your authority, your victory over those things that have intimidated and shut us down. We ask you to fill us, Lord. Show us our sin. Show us where we've been in agreement. We confess it, Lord. We, want, we agree with you that it was wrong. It was, it was a sin or sins. We were in a bad place maybe for a long time, but we are confessing those sins, and you said you would forgive us of those sins that we confess to you. And then, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus cleanse that part of our hearts and in the name of Jesus we resist that foul spirit that has been trying to set up camp inside of us and dictate our thinking and our moods and our feelings and in that one's place Lord we ask you to fill us fill me Jesus fill me Jesus fill me Jesus fill me Jesus And all the Lord's people said, Amen. It's not information, it's impartation. Receive it. Receive it. Find yourself in Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. You're there. You're there. Prayer partners, would you would you join us here as we, we pray, as we close? If there's any there's of you that would like for us to pray with you along these lines or anything that's working in your heart, we'd, we'd love to do that. Our streaming family, what a blessing you are all over the place, literally around this world. We are so grateful that you're a part of the family. And we'll meet each other in heaven one of these days. Thank you for praying for us. Standing with us, Pastor Walker at AlamoCity.org. If there is a prayer of need that we can stand with you in, and we'd love to get that from you. Our intercessors get right to work on that, trusting the Lord for his will in your life as you are doing the same thing. Thank you for your financial support, those of you who are able to do that. You're doing that as under the Lord, and we, we bless you. We're able to keep coming to you like this because of your faithful gifts, and we bless you. All right, those of you in the room, let's stand together, if you would, please. And, uh, and come.
come this way if we can pray for you. God bless you. Bless you for being here today. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me.